Well, hello there, and welcome to another edition of Servant's Heart Chapel. I hope uh, this particular episode is a special blessing to you. So let's get right to it. Well, praise the Lord. It is good to be back in church today. Thank the Lord for His grace and mercy. We've been talking about poisons of the mind or toxic thoughts, whatever you want to call it. We talked about poisons of the past, present, and future. Regret, complaint, and worry. We talked about the poisons of condemnation, bitterness, criticism, and self-pity. And and today we are going to talk about the poisons of lust, curiosity of sin, hedonism, and materialism. The history of mankind almost, we knew the trouble associated with with continuing to want uh, more than what you need, more than what you have. Continuing to want what you don't have. One of Aesop's fables is about a dog that's walking along with a piece of meat in his mouth, and he sees another dog with a piece of meat in his mouth, and, and he decides he wants that piece of meat too. So he drops his meat to grab onto the other dog's meat, not realizing what he was doing was actually looking at a reflection of himself in a, in a water pond. And he dropped the meat into the water, and he lost everything. And then there's uh, an ancient Chinese folktale, which may be even older than Aesop's fable. It's one I read many times as a child about uh, an old man, an old fisherman, who lived a quaint life with his wife in a sod hut, and, and he went out to fish every day. And, he, and one day he caught this magic fish that could talk and grant wishes. And the fish said, look, if you release me, I'll give you a wish, whatever you want. And so the old man went back home and he told his wife. And she said, well, tell him you want a nicer house. And so he goes and tells the fish, you know, I want, I want a nicer house than what we have. And the wish said, go back, you know, it's been granted. And, and the old man goes back and says, nice house, you know. <clears throat> picket fence, everything, you know, way better than the sod hut they were living in. And the wife's not happy still, and she wants a bigger house. And and uh, so he goes back and asks the fish for a bigger house, and the fish gives it to him. And, and then the wife wants, you know, uh, a title, and they give it, them a title, and the wife wants to then wants to rule the world. And it goes on, continues on, all the way up to that point, and they find the fish says, go back. Uh, your wife is waiting for you in, in your sod hut, um, and the wife went, and the man went back, and, and he was content. Uh, if I recall in the story, saying how content the wife was, uh, but there's been this this <clears throat> from earliest times, thousands of years, been trying to push forth this idea. That
Sorry about that. That's my train of thought there. <clears throat> that lust, that want for something, want more to feed upon our own appetite to the things of this world is not good. And, and, and the Bible talks about that very thing. Jesus said, you know, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? In the book in 1 John, First John, <clears throat> chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, it says, Do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything that belongs to the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's lifestyle is not from the Father, but is from the world. The Bible talks about the three different areas. There's, there's things that are of the world that's not from God that we are tempted to uh, spend our time and energy on trying to obtain, trying to achieve, and it's, 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 it's not just sin. It's a really bad idea, and we're going to talk about that, but first we want to you know, the Bible mentions here the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The, what does that mean? Now, that was my first question when I first read those, those that, that verse. You know, exactly what is that? Lust of the flesh are those sensual and impure desires which seek gratification in either immoral sex, strong drink, rich foods, Satisfying the physical and sensual desires. And then lust of the eyes, those inordinate desires for after fancy things, expensive clothes, bigger houses, expensive furniture, buying more and more, creating debt in order to obtain more and more stuff. Going back to the lust of the flesh, I've seen people live their lives after lust of the flesh, up to seeking in, in, in alcohol or drugs or sex. They're seeking to find self-fulfillment in, in that. And I've seen people who have tried to find self-fulfillment through lust of the eyes. If I, if I just had something new, if I just had a, a better car, a better house, other people who had nicer cars than I did asked me for money because they didn't have any. They didn't have enough money to put gas in their nice car. And then there's a pride of life or the pride of one's lifestyle, hunting after honors or some high position or honorable acquaintances. 
They're, 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 they're striving to one-up and position themselves. So they look good. That's they're trying to find some self fulfillment in that. You see, lust is taking an enjoyment and making an idol of it. It's I instead of finding fulfillment in God, I find fulfillment in this. So you can see, lust is not just about sex. <clears throat> And there's, there's three areas that involve lust that I, I want to talk about. The fear first is the curiosity of evil. We first see an example of this all the way at the very beginning, Genesis chapter 3. Where Eve is standing there with, with the serpent and, and the serpent is trying to uh, tempt the uh, woman Eve to, to eat of the fruit that, that she would guide. God had forbidden us to eat. This was the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And she's, she uh, sees that it was delightful to look at and it was desirable for obtaining women. Uh, wisdom. She wanted to know. I want to know about that. I want to know good and evil. And we know the rest of that story. I can confess to you that that when I was younger, I I, I feel like I had to know what. What things were like, what was going on in the world, what I didn't know about things that, and know about sin. And, and I, I tell you, there's things that I know that I wish I didn't know. I, I, if, if 40 year old me could talk to 20 year old me and, 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 and explain that, it's much better to remain ignorant of sin than to, and, and be considered a square by the world than to be knowledgeable and deal with the repercussions of that knowledge. <clears throat> this is a, a knowing about evil is a temptation of uh, particularly of the young. They get they they grow up in the, in the early twenties and and they feel like oh I've got to know about things I you know what's it like to do this or that what's it like to participate. In sin, things that I was taught was wrong. And it's normalized by society. We say, oh, he's just sowing his oats. We call it. And, and what I try to tell young people now is, is you don't have to know. And not only do you not have to, but it's advisable. You're much happier if you don't.
the antidote to this curiosity of evil, we, we can find first off in Romans chapter 16. Verse 19, the report of your obedience has reached everyone, therefore I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise about what is good, yet innocent about what is evil. We want to, uh, the antidote to this is to endeavor to be ignorant of evil and an expert of good. Become an expert. You want to become an expert at something. Become an expert of, of good. An expert of righteousness. <clears throat> the other toxic thought that we battle in relation to lust is hedonism. First Peter chapter four, verses one through five talks about this. Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, equip yourselves also with the same resolve because the one who suffered in the flesh has finished with sin in order to live the remaining time in the flesh no longer for human desires, but for God's will. For there has already been enough time spent in doing what the pagans choose to do, carrying on an unrestrained behavior, evil desires, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and lawless idolatry. So they are surprised that you don't plunge with them in the same flood of wild living, and they slander you. They will give an account to the one who stands ready to judge the living and the dead. Hedonism is 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 the love of uh, pleasure over the love of God. It's it's looking to pleasure as a primary focus of uh, uh, the way to live a happiest life possible is to take advantage of all the pleasure this world affords and to abstain from any any anything uncomfortable. But there is. But we're not talking about that pleasure in life is evil, not by any means. God wants us to enjoy things in the life. There's a difference between enjoying the pleasure of life and spending one's life seeking after pleasure. In fact, uh, I was going to print this out and I forgot to. C.S. Lewis uh, once wrote, I know we have won many a soul through pleasure. All the same, it is his invention, not... I'm sorry, I need to preface this quote. This is actually from the book, um, The Screwtape Letters, where a demon is writing to his apprentice 
on how to to keep people from God. And so it's written from that demon's perspective. He says, I know we, the demon, having won many a soul through pleasure, all the same it is his, God's, invention, not ours. He made the pleasures. All our research so far has not enabled us to produce one. One real pleasure. All we can do is encourage the humans to take the pleasures which our enemy has produced at times or in ways or in degrees which he has forbidden. So the devil tries to take a a, a God-blessed pleasure and construe that in a sinful way and try to get the humans to participate in that way. He said, hence we will always try to work away from the natural condition of any pleasure to that in which it is least natural, least redolent of its maker and least pleasurable, an ever-increasing craving for an ever-diminishing pleasure is the formula. God wants us to enjoy life, but that's not our primary focus. And so he has done, you know, we're about to partake in good food. That's a pleasure in friendship and, and knowing one another. But God can, uh, the, well, the devil can, can encourage us to uh, misconstrue that. And good, I can't talk today. Yeah. We appreciate God's blessing of providing us food, and we appreciate the pleasure. You know, God could have made us to where food didn't give us any pleasure at all. It's just something we know we're supposed to do. We get hungry, so we eat. And it wouldn't matter to us what it tasted like or whether it was hot or cold. But God made us to be able to enjoy food. But we could twist that into something sinful to where food becomes our God. And we find our whole happiness in pleasure. Did you have a question? No, I just wanted to say That's right, gluttony. Food becomes our pleasure and, and, and that then it becomes a sin. What's the, what's the antidote to hedonism? We find that in 2 Timothy. Second Timothy chapter three, verse four. Traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to the form of godliness but denying its power, avoid these people. For among them are those who warn their way into households and capture idle women, burned down with sins, burdened down with sins, led along by a variety of passion, passions, always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. But in verse 4 there, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's our antidote for hedonism, to love God. 
God should be our, our primary joy. In, in fact, in Psalm chapter 16, Psalm 16. Verse 11. It says, You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. In your right hand are eternal pleasures. See, God, if, if we love the Lord and seek after Him, we find all the real pleasure and joy in life. Preacher by the name of John Piper, I uh, push forth the idea of Christian hedonism that, that as Christians we we should find our pleasure and joy in the Lord, and I agree with that. And there's five truths from this that we that we can we can talk about here. Number truth number one: the longing to be happy is a universal human experience, and it is good. Not sinful. You understand that? There's nothing wrong with wanting to be happy. Jesus would often say, you're just doing it wrong. There's nothing wrong with wanting a reward. You're just doing it wrong. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be rich, by the way. You're just doing it wrong. You just said that. If you're trying to be rich by the world standards, then, then you're, you're doing it wrong because you're going to lose it all at some point. Truth number two, we should never try to deny or resist our longing to be happy as though, as though it were a bad impulse. Instead, we should seek to intensify this longing and nourish it with whatever will provide the deepest and most enduring satisfaction. So we need to find that out. What, what satisfies us? Is it time with God? Is it... Is it Singing? Is it reading his word? Number three, the third truth, the deepest and most enduring happiness is found only in God. And that leads us to the fourth truth. The happiness we find in God reaches its consummation when it expands to meet the needs of others in the manifold ways of love. So as we draw close to God, We, we, we naturally tend to have an impact on the lives of those around us. You've heard it said that people say, well, you can be so heavenly minded that you're of no earthly good. I disagree with that. Because I think to be heavenly minded at all drives one to be of the most earthly good. The fifth truth is to the extent we try to abandon the pursuit of our own pleasure, we fail to honor God and love people, or to put it positively, the pursuit of pleasure is a necessary part of all worship and virtue.
there's nothing wrong with wanting pleasure in life. It's how are you going about finding that pleasure? Our next toxic thought relating to lust can be found in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Verses 9 through 10. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and by craving it some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains or many sorrows. Materialism. Materialism, uh, wanting uh, more stuff, money, possessions. It was in, in 2012, I read the book Money Possessions, actually 2011, I read the book Money, Possessions, and Eternity by Randy Alcorn. Fantastic book, very challenging. When I read that book, I was like, wow, I, I need to change my ways, and I went through and, and cleared out all my junk in my life. I had, Tim, I had like 15 bags of stuff that I gave to Goodwill. And honestly, there's only a couple items I thought, you know, I kind of wish I kept. But out of all that is junk. I was like, okay, now that I got rid of the junk, I, want to, I don't want to just keep getting more junk. So I need to reprogram my thinking. So I went on a, a spending fast for six months where I only bought stuff I absolutely needed to get out of that mindset. Oh, I, I just need to buy. I was, I was, what I was doing, I had a materialistic mindset. Really, I was a Christian. I was a sanctified Christian who was an assistant pastor but I, I st- Tim, I still had an idol in my house. I had a false idol in my house, and I didn't realize it. And so I needed to get rid of it. And so I had to reprogram my thinking and, and, and get away from uh, looking to obtaining more stuff and wealth um, as, a, as a way of happiness, as a source of happiness. I also didn't want to become attached to anything. I wanted to be able and have that mindset, wherever God calls me, if God calls us to sell our house now or sell my car now to do something for him, I'm perfectly happy with that. Um, because it's just stuff. John Wesley, in, in that book, Money, Possessions, and Eternity, tells the story of John Wesley uh, a man came up to him and said, Sir, I, I regret to inform you that your house is burned down. And uh, Wesley thought about that. And he said, No, my house didn't burn down. God's house burned down. And I have one less thing to worry about. I'd like to have that kind of mindset. 
You know, I'll enjoy what God gives me, and I'll try. I'll, I'll try to use my money wisely so I have money to give to people. There have been times. I don't know about you, but there have been times for me that I've wasted money, and then I find out someone could use some money, and I can't help them because I wasted money. And I don't ever want to be in that position again. And so God's helping with that. They, honestly, you know, these, these, these poisons of lust, materialism, and, and curiosity of sin and hedonism, uh, of all the poisons that I've been talking about, these have been my battles. These have been my struggles. This is where this is where I fight my. I don't know. I don't. Maybe other the other toxic thoughts I've been talking about. Maybe those hit home for you. But for me, this is home. This is where my battlefield is, and I have to be constantly on the lookout. I have to constantly watch out for any areas of temptation in these areas. Randy Alcorn once said that what we do with our money will influence the very course of eternity. Did you know that? How you handle your money will influence the very course of eternity. There will be an eternal impact to it. There's something very powerful. And also, how we use our money also tells us a lot about our hearts. Early on, I think we just we just moved here not very long. We had about a dozen people that were coming to Connection Group, at least 12, 14. And a lot of baby Christians. And a lot of them weren't handling their money very well. They weren't given to the church. They weren't, and they were they were misusing their money. They were spent buying things that they shouldn't, and they knew that. And 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 I, we just finished um, the story, which was basically a year long. We we had spent a whole year going through the Bible, all the major stories and characters, because a lot of them didn't know about that stuff. And I was like, "What can we do next?" And I said, well, "Why don't we do a study just for about a month or so on what the Bible says about how we should handle our money?" And I bought little books. Um, for everybody to, to, to read and, and go through. We're going to read them together. Each chat would come back, come together, go over scripture, do discussions. They boycotted Connection Group. That month, almost nobody showed up. And then when we were past it, suddenly they were back. What happened? Well, it revealed their heart. They didn't want to know what the Bible said about how they handled their money. They don't want to know. And so they found reasons to not show up, not be there uh, for that month. See, materialism is this focus on money and possessions rather on God. We talked about this in Proverbs. Remember that rich man? His wealth was his high wall, right? His strong tower. Whereas we should be focusing on God being our high wall and strong tower. But a rich man, often their wealth is that. 
That's why it's hard for a rich person to get saved. Because they feel safe, they feel comfortable. They've, they've got what they needed. No, they're not really happy. No, there's probably conflict at home. No, they don't know who their real friends are very much. Maybe a few friends from back in the day before they were rich that, that aren't asking for money. Those few friends. But, um, yeah, it's hard for them to turn to God. And Jesus said, Jesus said that it's not just wrong, it's stupid. Did you know that? Materialism is not just wrong, it's stupid. Let's look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. What will it benefit a man if he gains the whole world yet loses his life? What will a man give in exchange for his life? Nothing in this world is of value to our souls. And so many exchange our souls for all the trinkets of this world. So what is the antidote to materialism? This toxic thought of materialism. What's the antidote? Well, the antidote um, can be found in 1 Timothy chapter 6, again. Verses uh, 6 through 8. But godliness with contentment is a great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. Contentment. I'm happy where I'm at. Happy with what I have. One of the biggest blessings the military gave me was those experiences, or were those experiences uh, being in a deployed location, living in an austere environment where you just have a cot and your clothes, and if it's really nice, you'll have a chair to sit in and a book to read. And... <clears throat> I you know, have my Bible, and I would have at least one other book, and I was happy. And I lived for months like that, and I got to eat three times a day. That's actually how I got through my days, by the way, because I, I missed my family, um, and the days were long, so I'd break it up into breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> Break my day up. Okay, dinner's in a few hours. But I had, I was content. I thought, you know what? I don't need it. All my stuff is at home. And, and I, I don't need all that extra stuff. Uh, as we conclude... I want to look at Hebrews chapter 11. 
verses 24 and 25, talking about Moses. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer with the people of God rather than enjoy the short-lived pleasures of sin. For he considered the reproach because of the Messiah to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, since his attention was on the reward. See, we are led to believe that the things of this things this world has to offer is of great value and will last a long time. That's what they want us to believe. Missy and I have been watching a Smithsonian documentary on advertising. And, and it's all about convincing uh, you need to consume. You know, this is of great value. You've got to have this. You've got to have the newest thing. Uh, the latest and greatest. And uh, won't your friends be jealous? Uh, but the, the world would have us believe that the pleasures and, and the materialism, the, the wealth of this world is of great value and is going to last a long th- time. The reality is it isn't and it won't. I like one quote from C.S. Lewis. He, he once wrote, He who has God and everything else has no more than he who has God only. Everything in this world is of almost no value compared to having God. And if once we realize that, that just changes everything in our minds. And this world loses luster. We don't care anymore. It's like when I was, I think the last time I was deployed, we had, it was pretty nice. We had, uh, uh, well, one of my deployments was a. We stopped off on the way on the way back here. We stopped off at a place called Masiro Island, a little island off the coast of Africa. You know, a place was a resort. I mean, they had Baskin Robbins ice cream and just amazing food, and you could rent a bike and ride up and down the beach. There was movies you could rent. They had all kinds of entertainment and, and enjoyment. But I was waiting to go home. And I enjoyed those things while I was there. While I was waiting for the plane ride home, I enjoyed those things there. But my mind was still on going home. And when I got word, hey, grab your bag, it's time for us to leave, there was no hesitation. I didn't care at all about the great food. I didn't care all about the, all the, uh, the, 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 the extras they had, uh, the fun stuff they had to do. didn't care about that at all. I was ready to go home. And once you wrap your head around the reality of where we are going and who we are going to, 
this world loses its luster. And so while we're here, it's like, oh, this is nice. This is nice. This is pretty. I like this. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't really need that stuff. No, but when I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go. Let's see. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at ServantsHeartChapel at gmail.com. Also, we have a website, ServantsHeartChapel.org. Um, we also have a Facebook page, so you're welcome to check us out. I'd love to hear from you, prayer requests, anything you may need. We are here for you. Have a wonderful and blessed day.